Hello everyone, my name is Paloma Ortiz Lopez, the founder of Avantgarde International and a career specialist. Welcome to the Diary of a Female Leader, the podcast in which we will share the journey of a variety of female leaders that are thriving in what people know as male-dominating environments. Thank you for listening. afternoon everybody and, and good morning to our next guest uh, Jennifer Abels. Uh, good morning for you Jennifer. Yeah, good morning Paloma. How are you? I think you are in Canada today. Correct I am in Canada. I am in northern Ontario. Oh very nice very nice. I've not had the pleasure to be there myself but I've heard lovely comments from uh, many other colleagues that have lived and worked uh, over the years. So today we, we have uh, you in the, in the show to give a, a bit of a, an introduction of, you know, mining, but, but another side of mining that we've not uh, heard from in the past episodes, which is perhaps somebody that is on the metallurgical side, on the processing side. So today we'll, we'll kind of go through your career highlights, Jennifer, if you allow me. And before we, we get stuck into the little stories you have to tell us, I'd like to give our listeners a quick introduction about your, your career, if you allow me, please. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Excellent. So Jennifer is a metallurgical engineer with um, a seasoned experience, 25 years, I believe, in the mining and mineral sectors. Um, as a classic, I think, in the mining industry, she has uh, had the chance to, to live and work in many different countries. Some of them are Canada, where, where she is currently in Australia, the US, UK and Portugal. Extensive list there, Jennifer. Um, she has mainly worked in a project execution, commissioning, management, engineering management, business and strategic development, marketing and also sales. She has also been as a past chairman of the Canadian Mineral Processes and ex-president of the West Australian Mining Club. She is currently the director of projects for a mining operator, Canadian-based gold producer called Alamos Gold. But prior taking on this position, she was the executive director of the Goodman School of Mines and the president and CEO of Minarco. In addition of, of all this career, her original bachelor's degree was in extractive metallurgy, which we will talk a bit more about. And Jennifer also holds an MBA from Wilfrid Laurier University. Jennifer, an accomplished career there. Thank you. As is traditional in a diary of a female leader, we, we always like to hear about you know, the background of, of the, our guests. And I'd like to start talking about your, your childhood and the environment that you, you grew up in. So the first question is always, you know, what did you want to be when, when you were a kid? Did you have anything in mind? Yeah, I always thought I was going to be a doctor, actually. Oh, God. <laughs> Engineering never even crossed my mind. That's good. Where did you grow, by the way? I grew up in a town called Sudbury in Ontario. And it's actually a mining town. And a lot of the people I grew up around, their parents worked in the mining industry, but mine, mine didn't. My, my parents, my mother was a biology teacher and my father was an accountant. So 
I didn't even yeah think about mining as a career. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So, but you you knew what of mining as the industry. I did because I grew up in a mining town, and as I said, a lot of people worked worked in the mines here. You knew what mining was more so than people say living in Toronto or other big centers. So it, it was something that people knew about. Excellent. And what was that journey from wanting to be a doctor to to then going on to getting your bachelor's degree in extractive metallurgy? What was that process like? Uh, it was a bit of a journey, I would have to say. I started in university taking biochemistry with the intent of, of yeah, completing a, a medical degree at some point. And after two years, I, I kind of went, mm, I'm not sure this is really for me. And I was very fortunate in that that summer I was working at the university. I was actually working. There was a summer school of science that was going on for high school students and I was I was involved in that. And one of the professors that was teaching engineering to the students and I had a chat and I explained to him how I didn't feel that my courses were terribly practical okay. and that I wasn't really enjoying them. And he convinced me to switch over to engineering. Okay. And at the time, it was chemical engineering because I had taken two years of biochemistry. I had all of the you know, required courses to essentially get into third year engineering. But after a semester, I decided to switch over to metallurgy because my school had a co-op program, so which would enable me to, to work as I went to school and, and earn some money. And I ended up switching over to metallurgy. Okay. Did you have anything in mind, like long-term, uh, job-wise? Not really. <laughs> And I think it was good that I, I did the co-op program because I really, while I knew what mining was and, you know, I, I was learning about the theoretical aspects at school, being able to get out into the workforce and actually see what it was all about, I think was really important. And so throughout university, I ended up doing, I think it was five co-op placements, which was really, really useful so that by the time I graduated, I really understood what metallurgy and being a metallurgist was and what the environment was like. Excellent. And I always think that family, parents and the environment that you're in have a bit of an impact in, you know, how you making your decisions, especially in the start of your career or your studying choices. How did your parents and family support you in, in your choices throughout your, your early days? Yeah, I was very lucky in that both my parents were professionals are professionals and had university education. So when I, you know, I, I guess before I went to university, they completely supported me in my choices and helped direct me. And when I was thinking about, you know, whether or not to stay in, in my biochemistry program and, and thinking about switching to engineering, they were very, very helpful and very supportive, actually, and helped me make that decision. And certainly when I went into co-op engineering and, you know, had to move away and they were very helpful as well, because there were a few times when my dad actually helped move furniture and, and you know, <laughs> bring me into these different environments so I could, I could live and work. So it, I, I'd have to say they were very, very supportive. Mm -hmm. 
And I believe one of first uh, of your first jobs was as a project engineer in the mining industry, I believe, was already there. So how did you get to that and how was that first experience in the industry? My first experience in the industry was was quite good. I was lucky in that I had a very good mentor early on. So when I was working as a student in, in the mines up in Northern Ontario, I had a strong mentor who, you know, taught me the basics basically. And before I graduated university, he offered me a job working at the mine where, where I operated as a student. And the first thing I had to do was actually work in every single operation mm -hmm. at the mine. So I had a really good framework, a really good grounding in, in, you know, all the different operations at the mine. He actually made me go and spend a day with the mining department, the engineers, underground, every single area, but then also work as an operator in every single position in the mill itself. So before I even started as an engineer, I understood what every single person in the mine did. So that mm -hmm. was fantastic. And then when I started, I guess, working as a, as a junior engineer at the, at the mine in the mill, I started off, you know, I guess, mainly doing operational type work initially, and then moved in, into projects, which I learned pretty early on was something that I really liked and had an aptitude for. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, a very nice journey at that first role. Excellent. I was saying at the beginning of the conversation that um, although we had a, a few uh, guests that worked or uh, work in the mining industry, today we had a slight different kind of angle of the mining industry. You have plenty of experience on the processing side of, of things. So, Jennifer, I would ask you, please, if you could give us a bit of a, an understanding for, for non-mining people of what, what a mining operation represents and in what part of the mining operation you have developed your career in. Sure. Okay. So mining encompasses a lot of different things. So people are, I think, fairly familiar with, you know, quote unquote mining, which is really getting getting the mineral out of the ground. But before that even happens, there's a lot of work that goes into figuring out, you know, what's there and whether or not it's economical to take it out. So there's a lot of exploration work that has to happen. There's a lot of evaluation work that needs to happen to determine, you know, whether or not a deposit is economic or not. And then the miners get involved and figure out how to get it out of the ground. So really you're trying to find out the most economical way of getting that, that mineral out of the ground within, you know, the confines of environmental stewardship. So there's two main types of mining. There's underground mining and then there's open pit mining. So in underground mining, it's a little bit more complicated because you have to deal with things like ground control and making and ventilation open pit. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's a big open hole in the ground. It's a little bit easier to, to manage, but you have some very big trucks that go in. So basically, but the same principles are, are there. You're, you're blasting the rock and you're, you're getting it out of the underground. And, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, boulder sized pieces of rock that are coming out of the ground. So then the mineral processors, the metallurgists get involved and you're trying to get the metals out of the rock or the minerals, depending on, on what type of mine it is. So what you want to do is you want to 
break those boulder sized pieces into smaller chunks and basically break it down so that you can economically get that mineral or, or metal out of the rock. And there's a whole bunch of different processes that are involved in that. But yeah, typically you, you have some crushing operations, then you have some grinding. So to, to break the rock down further and other mineral processing operations, depending on what, what type of ore it is and what the metals are that you're trying to take out. You might have something like, you know, flotation. You might have cyanidation in the case of gold. You might even have magnetic separation if you're dealing with a magnetic iron ore type mineral. But essentially, you know, the the principle is the same, is to economically get that mineral or metal out of the rock. And then if you, if you are further breaking it down into the metal, then you're going to use some type of metallurgical process, whether it's hydrometallurgical, where you're using some kind of a, a chemical to dissolve the metal, or sometimes pyrometallurgical, where you're using heat, fire to melt, melt that metal down to produce a final product. Mm -hmm. That's a really good explanation. And if you allow me, Jennifer, if I confess something here, when I started many, many years ago in the mining industry or to know about mining industry, I literally thought that you were getting the gold out and, and you know, you were just exporting that. I didn't know that the whole processing part of things existed and how complex and fascinating it is, because I think you guys are very clever people that try to figure out uh, many complex formulas to to kind of make it viable and make it, you know, the more productive. So I do think that if you like sciences or you're thinking of, you know, a, a career in, you know, metallurgical or chemistry, sometimes in some countries the, the degree is a chemical engineer, I think that mining has kind of a bit of a space for, you know, your background or your interest there. So thanks thanks for providing that, that information. I have a... Simple question, like, why did you continue working in the mining industry? Why mining? It's an interesting profession. You can do anything. So I started off as a metallurgist working in a mine, but you don't have to work in a mine. You, you can, there's all sorts of career choices open to you as, as a metallurgical engineer. Excellent. I do believe that you worked in different types of, of a company. Some roles were more site-based, but you even had some experience in, in sales, you know, for other type of companies. So I think that that reinforces the idea of, you know, mining has a, a space for, you know, whatever your choices are. If you're like more adventurous and, and want to have great experiences working remotely in many different countries, but on if you, you kind of like, you know, you, the city environment or you're not ready to, to spend that long amount of time in a, in a remote site, maybe, you know, on, on another capacity, another type of company, you can also develop your career. Is that right to say? Yeah, that's exactly right. There are so many choices open to you and so many different career paths that you can take that, you know, basically the world's your oyster. <laughs> Excellent. And you can, you can make a good income doing it as well. That's a really good point. We never actually kind of mentioned any any of these points with previous guests, but I, I do believe that, that that could be something that is not really well known. It's, it's kind of more popular to know that oil and gas industry is quite, um, the remuneration from in that industry is, is high compared to other type of industries, but mining is not that far behind, isn't it? No, that's correct, actually. It's, it's very high. And for example, at the university here locally, 
our graduates get the highest starting salaries coming out of university than anywhere else in the province because mm-hmm. they're working in the mining industry. Yeah, good to know. Good to know. We we were talking about in the introduction your current position. You are the director of project of Alamos Gold. So how does that happen? How did you get to your current position? You kind of gave us a little bit of flavors, but um, if we could get more like the, the final years and, and a bit of detail on, on what does a director of projects in a mining operator do, that that'll be fantastic. Okay. Well, it's been a long journey. I would have to say, you know, with a, a few twists and turns along the way, But I think I'm one of the few people that has actually worked across the entire life cycle of mining in in their career. So as I noted previously, I started off working in operations. So, So working as a metallurgist in a mining operation. After that, I ended up working for an equipment supplier to the mining industry, actually a couple of equipment suppliers to the mining industry. So got a very good, I guess, firsthand experience on, on how to size and, you know, pick the right equipment for a particular job. I ended up also working for an engineering company in my career. So these are the people that help you, you know, design and and build a mine. And for many companies in terms of developing projects. So that's really, you know, what I do now. I, I develop and execute projects, but it didn't, you know, happen overnight. You you learn as you go, you get experience. And as part of, I guess, the mining life cycle, I explained about how to, you know, what, what do you have at a mine, but you have to, there's a process involved in trying to figure out, you know, what is, what does a mine look like? What is the best way to design and build a particular mine? What is the right process? What type of mine do you need? Etc. And that's that's what I do basically. So I figure out: is it an open pit mine? Is it an underground mine? How big is it? How many tons per day? What does the processing plant look like? Is it you know? Am I using mineral processing? Am I using flotation? Am I using hydrometallurgy? So you're doing test work to figure out what does the process look like. I also get involved in things like environmental assessments. So what does the environment currently look like? If we were to put a mine there, what are the impacts? What do we need to do to mitigate those impacts? I also work with with communities to establish what are the impacts the mine might have on that particular community and the people around? How do I mitigate those impacts? And then what does it you know, what do we do with not only the products that we produce, but what do we do with the waste? What do, do we have enough water? Do we have too much water? What do we do with the water and the, the tailings as well? And then what is this mine? What do we need to do to close this mine? So that's a big aspect of what people like like me do. So you can't just look at, you know, the mine during the operational phase. You have to look at it during closure as well. So What's it going to cost to close this mine? What do we have to do to return the land as close to possible to what it looked like before? How long do we have to monitor this mine, you know, after closure to make sure that we don't have negative impacts on the environment? So my job basically is to pull together all those different aspects and determine not only is is a project economical, but, you know, is it a good idea? Should we Mm -hmm. do this? And, you know, what is the plan 
to do this. And you're showing with your comments how complex a mining project or a mining operation is. People just think that, you know, companies land there, dig a hole and, you know, start producing. You know, you're showing that you take into consideration an extensive amount of factors that could impact not only in the project, but also in communities, social agents and so on. Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects to mining that people don't realize it can take about, well, I think the average is about 14 years to get a mine into production from when you find it. And often it's it's longer than that, uh, because not only, you know, do you need to figure out the technical aspects, but there's a lot of social and environmental aspects that need to be resolved before you, you even start. Mm-hmm. And the role that you were describing, and I can confirm that, you know, has a great deal of impact in a company. So you have reached a very senior position that has got a a great deal of impact in Alamos Gold in in this case. But you also had some of other very senior roles. We're talking about, you know, CEO roles, president roles. So, you know, how were you supported? Because I always believe in the environment and, you know, people around around you have a great you know say on on what you become so how are you supported to reach these positions along the way i talked about my parents earlier i think that they've been you know very influential very supportive along the way when i was growing up they were always there and and supporting me in whatever decisions i made nobody ever told me no you can't do that <laughs> you can you can do that and and we'll help you do that i have a very supportive partner as well who's been willing to travel all over the world with me as i go i went on this journey <laughs> uh, that's not always possible so you know i would not have i guess become the person i am with without my partner I also have had some very good mentors along the way. And I think it's really important for your listeners to understand that, you know, you really do, you learn as you go and having good mentors and and good people around you where you work really has a big influence on on where you end up. So Mm -hmm. I've I've been very lucky along the way to have some, some excellent mentors that taught me some key skills early on. And I think that's really helped a lot good co-workers as well and, and good environments to work in makes a big difference as well. You certainly don't want to stay in a, in a toxic environment working around people that you don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And if I can ask you, what, what is it that you love about your career? What would be the highlight? It, it's been an adventure, I would say, more than anything else. I've really loved the people that I've been fortunate, you know, enough to to work with and around. I think, you know, that is the really interesting thing about mining that maybe people don't know is just how great the people are mm-hmm. and what a nice community there is around mining. So every single country that I've worked in, I've managed to, you know, build up a nice community of, of friends and, and people, uh, co-workers. And yeah, it's been really fun, I have to say. <laughs> Okay, that's good. It's been really fun. I think it's a, it's a good summary of how you feel about, you know, the 25 years in the industry that you have, you have had. We kind of go into the last part of the conversation, Jennifer. Don't quit, by the way. I guess it's a, it's a good thing. It's a bit of a, a reflection, right, on, you know, what you are versus, you know, what you were building when, when we started this conversation. And from your position, you know, many years in and a great deal of experiences and, and fun experiences by the looks of it, 
what would you tell your younger self if you had a chance to, to do that? Oh, that's a good question. I try not to have any regrets, but I think I would tell my younger self to stay in operations just a little bit longer. And this is something I do tell graduates as well when I, I meet them, is that it's important that you you get a good foundation. If you want to work in mining, you really need to understand mining and and staying and working at a mine for a period of time, I think is, is a really good idea. And yeah, maybe the one regret I have is that I, I didn't stay as long as I should have. Mm -hmm. Okay, not a, not a bad one. And you know, Jennifer, the kind of the type of people we would like to, the type of people that listen to us basically, are people that young or not young or whatever the background is, but they are kind of deciding if to change their careers to what we call man-dominating environment. So what can you tell to these girls that are in that part of their lives? Yeah, the, again, a very good question. It's, it's an interesting one that I, I've, I've thought about. I mean, you know, do something because you love it. Don't do it because somebody's telling you to do it, but, but don't be afraid. You know, I've had some excellent experiences. Yeah, you, you do experience some pushback. I have had a few people over the years, men, of course, tell me that, you know, my job should be at, at the home and, and not at the mine. But, you know, you can't listen to people like that. They have other issues, I would say. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I guess the thing I would tell them is don't be afraid and follow your dreams and, you know, figure out what makes you happy and, and what you want to do and, and follow that. Good, good advice. You were talking earlier about mentors were important in, in your career. Have you got any any tips to for our listeners on, you know, how to get to that mentor? Because that's something very common and I do agree is, is a very good advice. But how do you get to a mentor? Do you buy it on eBay or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I guess I've been fortunate in that, the, you know, my mentors just, you know, I happen to find them as I progress through my career. And they're typically, you know, my the people who, who sit above me in my different roles. But I think figure out, you know, who in, in your working environment you look up to, you know, figure out who those people are, who's doing a good job, who, you know, would you like to be when you grow up and mm -hmm. become friends with them, figure out what they like and have a chat and form a relationship. Yeah. And you said, don't be afraid. So and you don't know, be don't... afraid. Yeah. Because I've been a mentor to other people as well. And, and they're typically the people that work under me, but, you know, be open to the experience of asking questions and building up a relationship with someone who may be is not scary, but certainly, you know, superior to you and who you might be intimidated a little bit about talking to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe, or I don't know, I, I want to think that 25 years ago, when you first stepped uh, in on a mine site, uh, things were very different to what they are now, hopefully. But we're definitely not there because otherwise this podcast wouldn't exist. And so... What else can we do to help reaching men-female equality and equity at, at work? It's a difficult question. I can remember when, you know, when I was a student and I was graduating, there out of a class of, I think there was 10 of us, there were maybe two girls. And I thought, oh, <laughs> well, this is unfortunate. <laughs> and 
I'd go to conferences, I'd go to big meetings, I'd be, you know, the only woman in the room or one of maybe a handful. And I always thought it was, you know, ah, it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen. But, you know, it's not happening as quick as I would like it to. And I still end up in meetings and in conferences where, you know, there's, it's definitely still male dominated. I think it's getting better. You know, in certain certain areas of engineering, you're you're seeing parity. I would say not so much in mining and metallurgy, but it it is getting better. I think in chemical engineering, we're almost at parity, if not at parity, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think you need a supportive environment. I mean, people people are going to work where they feel comfortable working, where you know they think that there's a place for them. I think mining companies have gone a long way towards making making that happen you you have boards now that are are reaching parity you have mining company more female mining company executives which is great i think you need those role models uh, so that women can see that oh okay yeah there is a place for me at the top i think that goes a long way if you don't see people like yourself in those positions and you don't necessarily think that they're achievable mm-hmm. I also think you need more supportive environments for people to work at. So working underground is not, you know, the easiest place to work. Working in a, in a processing plant, it's not so bad. It's, you know, for a woman, I think it's a combination of things. But also I think, you know, little, th- it, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, in bigger centers, this isn't an issue. But in small towns where, you know, you, you often have mines, childcare is a big issue. Transportation is a big issue. It's it's removing some barriers so that women can work and can work in those environments. I think companies have a role to play there to to help achieve that. Mm-hmm. Good news is that they have realized of that. I have participated in, in great projects that the companies were asking us, you know, what were those barriers because they weren't even aware before. Whilst now they are, and slowly they are trying to put things right maybe like like USA not as quick as we would like to but we can see some progress and you know hopefully you know with more people you know wanting to join the industry they have to do it quicker as well because they have more obviously the activity is high and they have more numbers Mm -hmm. there are a lot mining is gonna see a pretty major gap in the amount of you know workers coming up over the coming years there's going to be lots of opportunities for people to work in mining and in very high paying jobs. So, you know, I would encourage any any women, young women listening to this podcast to look into a career in mining because there's going to be some fantastic opportunities. And to close with that, I think, Jennifer, it's been great to understand more about all the side of mining, which is more the processing side. I don't think we've we kind of had that in the podcast before. So thank you so much for not only joining us, but also to provide very valuable information about, you know, potential careers for, for other type of people, non really mining engineers that perhaps the, our listeners didn't know that it could even be an option for them. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, Paloma. It's been my pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you very much. The pleasure has been ours. And have a good rest of the day, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to Diary of a Female Leader. If you enjoyed our episode and want to contribute to sharing these incredible stories of females leading in business, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next interview. 
You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn by searching Diary of a Female Leader. Until next time.